welcome to the NLP Zone podcast, episode four. I'm your host, Jordan Luxford, and in episode four, I'm speaking with Philip Vollett. He's a big-time NLP influencer and community success advocate for Explosion. Now, in this episode, we'll be breaking down four main topics. The secret to building a large following in your niche, NLP and open source, open science, using NLP for medical research, and the future of NLP. Now, Philip is an expert influencer on LinkedIn, which has built him a huge following on LinkedIn. His content is consistent, engaging, and impactful. So I suggest you give him a follow on LinkedIn to see his best work. Now, I have been looking forward to this episode for weeks. So let's get to it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Philip. So could you give me an overview about your, your background um, how you started out for your education and uh, at the beginning of your career? Yeah, maybe having not a straight career or so also having different stations in my life, but mainly always related to computer or scientific computing. And I start my journey into computer as a kid. So as a grown up, I had my first computer in the age of five. So the reason was that my father was some kind of a computer pioneer in Germany regarding the computer, the PC. And he founded a user group in the 80s, which was called uh, the Microcomputer User Group, I guess. In this group, they exchanged their knowledge about computers. And at these times, you have to build your own computer. So you can buy the pieces of, of the wool computer, and then you have to self-construct the computer. So my in my childhood, computers were everywhere. So also all of my friends or most of my friends had a relation to computers. So we start to write our first computer programs in Turbo, Turbo Pascal, it was called, and maybe it's older than me. And also in basic, yeah. Yeah, we also write small computer programs and also our first viruses, which we are very proud of because um, you put in your floppy disk and then your hard drive gets erased. Uh, I hope we did no, no real harm. We were kids and kids doing stupid stuff. So, yeah. And I'm also remembering building our first computer network. We used um, Novel Network and yeah, Back there, Novel Network was the gold standard for computer networks, and there was no internet. It was called BTX in Germany. It was Bildschirm Text. So it was before the internet. And at these times, there was also this strange operating system, Linux. Yeah, that was my first contact with open source or open source software. And that was also where I get interested into open source, into then not only computers, also the philosophy behind open source regarding it had this flavor of communism and share community because it was open. Before that, every software was closed. If it was MS-DOS or Novel Network or Windows NT, it was closed software and um, companies trying to make money out of it. So yeah, that was my first contact Yeah, with Linux um, and Unix and also the yeah open source in general and also um, where my love belongs. And from there, I also had a high school degree and everything and we were working with computers and also at university. Yeah, and at university, I did some, some freelancing work, which was related to NLP, but we did it in Java mostly um, and looking on the structure of the sentence using regex. So it was no machine learning. So it was only seeing some structure in a sentence. 
yeah, but that was my start into open source and also NLP and yeah, where I developed my love or or get an idea about uh, what's in there. And, and yeah, I'm always curious about also new stuff and interested in and then I maybe I, I getting lost in it and <laughs> try to understand and, and do stuff. Sounds like it was instilled into you from a, a very young age from your father. He was obviously a big impact for you. Were, you. were you very close with your father? Yes, for sure. I'm very, very close with my father. He has also a computer company. So we are where they're doing uh, first they sell computers, then it was more about uh, the services around computers because computers in the start computers were very expensive. So the first computers you have paid thousands of dollars or DMARC in Germany for, for a wool personal computer. And there was progress and they are getting cheaper and cheaper. The Apple II came. And then it was a mainstream product or was more mainstream accessible for the people. And at this time, my father made the transition into selling the services around networks for hotels, for, for the government and also for Landeskriminalamt or, or yeah, so bigger, bigger clients. And I, I worked there when I was old enough. And that was my real start into the computer scene or in, in the computer stuff. Yeah getting you started nice and early. Thanks for that introduction. Really appreciate that. I mean, when I first came across your profile, Philip, I was just like, who is this guy? He doesn't have the the usual title of someone with an NLP. You have, you know, your interesting titles that you have on your profile, but your profile is everywhere. And of course, I had a look into it and I see that you now currently stand at just over 84,000 followers. I think when we plan to do this recording, you was around 82, 83. So you've gained uh, a near one to 2,000 in that time frame. <laughs> I can tell you, I, at the moment, I'm not in a good good shape what's, what increase means because I, I have, if I put more time into it, I, I'm able to have a higher increase. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now you want to, to get to know my secret sauce or what's <laughs> the secret for it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're probably going to say consistency because that is the answer to all success, I think, consistency. But yeah, but that's the, I call it the ugly truth is also you need to be, yeah, it's like sport. You have to do it more than once a week. So if you want to, 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 to make improvements, you need to do it possible every day. And the, I call it the ugly truth about this. You can... Put all your effort into only high quality content. And, but I can say you high quality content costs a lot of time. At the moment at Explosion, we are working on two content streams, which really high, super cool, interesting content, but it's taking so much effort and so much time. So the ugly truth here is that you are needing everyday bread and butter content, I call it. So you need to be specific in your niche because people are only following you for a reason. So when you are starting, you need to be specific in your niche. So that's really important because when you're posting about everything, people are remembering you not for, for a topic and people are following you for specific topics or field of interest. So when you're starting, that's really important when you're starting. Later on, you are able to, to spread it because you already had your reach and then you're able to, to put in more uh, content topics. But when you're starting, it's important to be specific, do interaction with bigger profiles, also which are related to your niche. And then is the trick to make people interested in your content. And then it's it's multifactorial. So you're having your content and you're specific and 
Pierre, you have to do it not only once a week, you have to put out content on a regular basis. That's that's for sure. So, and then you can, to make people curious or interested in your content, to, to put your thumb on your content, give it some personality. So tell your story, tell the story of your team, of your environment, and then also share your personal stuff. It's really important because people are not following companies, People are following people because as that's that's the human trait. You are interested in people. So if your brand is big enough, then for sure people also following Microsoft. But when you start, it's it's about be specific, have your own niche, and then have good content there. Always have good content. And then put your personal personality into it and tell the story. It's everything is about storytelling. So and yeah, I have also these times where I'm busy with working and then I'm only holding my content level, but there is not the, then I'm putting not so much personality into it. Then it's only my bread and butter content to be happening in the social networks. And then when I'm having more time for, for social media, then I'm putting all in. So all my personality and also doing yeah, cool content about the person behind these social media handle. Yeah, another trick from my side is I'm posting a lot about open source projects, but it's not about the projects, it's about the people behind these projects. And I try to put them into the spotlight because my hope is that then I'm able to share some of my reach and that my followers also following the, the creators of these open source libraries because that's for, for reason it's credit and also yeah to share because at the network we are able to win and it's about open source and open science. And real advocating is also to share and to take care that your team or the people around you are also able to grow their network because it's a team play. So play it as a team. Yeah, I completely agree with absolutely everything you said there. And I'm, I'm taking a leaf out of your book. I mean, I think I've got a good following. I'm in the tens of thousands, but I do want to get to your sort of level. So I think it's actually been a number one goal of mine for a, for a while now and certainly going into you know q4 and the start of 2022 as well to get that following up because the bigger your audience is the, the more people that you can help and, and people you can collaborate with just like what you were saying so yeah i'm fascinated by your work and uh, i'm always watching <laughs> um yeah but there's also the aspect when when 80,000 people are watching what you're posting <laughs> and you're having your shit post streak on twitter on a friday <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's also some kind of responsibility. Yeah, so you miss, must be responsible for your content. So that's also something I have I have my lesson learned also in this journey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some some bad but good and some good but bad. Once it's out there, it's out there. So like you say, yeah, complete responsibility for what you put out there. It's got to be well thought out, to say the least. But uh, no, appreciate that insight. And uh, yeah, wonderful to hear you, the way you've done it. So now I see, obviously, looking at your profile... Um, from our conversations, you've recently made uh, the transition to, to Hype. I'm really curious to hear a little bit about your role there and um, what, what you're doing there. So the Hype is my engagement around open source and open science and open, the community around it. So advocating open source and open science. So I'm always open that people can ping me and I will jump in and, and throw in my reach when I can push open source communities and open source projects so that's around the hype and the, the hype isn't isn't specific it's it's like a cube or a sphere around open source and open science and for me 
that means that I will help people to spread the word about their open source and open science projects. And I'm really deep into bioinformatics and that's always content where my heart belongs. So when we are able to, to use open source and to accelerate open science, yeah, try to use this technology to make a paradigm shift and help to accelerate open science because we are in the need of open science for sure. Absolutely. What are um, Explosion using NLP to solve then? Um, first, they are one of the number one addresses when it's coming to natural language processing. So they have one of the most downloaded uh, NLP libraries, Spacey, which is an incredible library. Yeah, that's my main role, being at Explosion, the community success advocate. And that's not a fixed role. It's what we make out of it. Um, I call it personally com community gardening because I'm the gardener of the community and then we see how the small flowers are growing and what we are make out of it. So it's not fixed. And I hope that we are able to engage a lot with the community and build incredible stuff and spread the love for natural language processing NLP. I am quite curious, actually, Philip, did you fall into NLP by accident or was it out of choice naturally? My entry for, for NLP was at my study times when, when I do some, some freelancing, but it was related. NLP for me, it's not air. It's not by its own about NLP. I'm, I was curious and used to analyze text. That was my use case. So I was interested how we are able to extract entities out of computer text for gaining insights about medications. That was the starting point. But um, yeah, we did it in Java and it was mostly NLP wasn't machine learning at these times. It was more statistic, statistical stuff and how a sentence is structured and then which verb is pointing onto the root. And then we have the first NLP workflow, but it was not what NLP is today. It was um, yeah, mostly regex. And that was my starting point, but it was about what we can do with NLP in open science. Looking at a lot of your posts, what I hear about a lot from your posts is your um, your passion for open source. And we've already talked about that on this, on this uh, show so far already. Can you tell me a little bit more about NLP and open source, open science, and why it is important to us? So the reason why we are needing open source and open science is we should not leave NLP or machine learning to only to revenue-driven companies like Google, Microsoft, or Amazon, because they are always shareholder value-driven, and they can always change their mind about open source. So they will always follow their own agenda to make profits and also fighting each other. Yeah. So, and... Open source is needed because machine learning can also be used in, a, in an evil sense. So governments using machine learning to manipulate public beliefs in social networks. So, and it can be, it, it will be used for, for bad stuff for sure, because that it is how the world works. And we have to fight for open source to enable everyone so that it's possible for them to be part of this open machine learning movement and, or be part of, of machine learning in general. Yeah, I suppose it's a case of equal opportunity as well basically for what you were just saying for the open source part and of course that's massively important for everyone in the audience um so yeah i appreciate that uh, so could you tell me a little bit more about for example like nlp for medical research yeah for sure that was my entry point into nlp 
and it's it's the same like like uh, open source is needed for for machine learning we should not leave the field only for to to money driven institutions so let's jump into the field of the pharmaceuticals the big pharmaceutical companies are not interested what is best for the patients let me use um, the following two examples when we are looking into the topic about development of medication let's use ketamine as example here we have this old substance with is an anesthetic and it's used in this context so it's better proved it's used since the 60s so as the mental health crisis is rising in reason also of the pandemic we are in the need for a better medication for depression so and ketamine seems a good candidate as medication to medication for for depression and here's a lot of open science driven research ongoing because I call it also bro science, aka patient stories. So that that ketamine can be used to treat depressions. And when we are looking into the OS, uh, US um, clinics are popping, so ketamine clinics are popping up everywhere, but it's used off-label and patients have to pay by their own because it's an old drug and you cannot put a patent on it. So no of the big pharmacos had done the studies for getting an FDA approval. So it's only used off-label. Yeah, and it's it's even worse because instead of making some studies about the use case of ketamine for depressions, they put out S-ketamine, which is a chiral version of ketamine, so the isomer version of ketamine. And that costs a lot of money. So you can, as the patient, you are able to buy it and also to use it, and there you have the use case for, for depressions. But patient feedback about S-ketamine is that it did not work like the racemic version of ketamine, which, by the way, only costs cents. So you're able to treat depression for cents and not for, for hundreds of dollars. And that's the reason why we are needing open science and also, yeah. So, yeah, patient getting worse, worse are treatment and reason of money. So, yeah. I having also one more example. Let's look into the field of psilocybin. What is the substance of magic mushrooms? So when we are looking into, we had a project where we analyze patient notes and medical records about some studies going on for this great substance. And the, it has an incredible effect for migraines and cluster headaches. But, and that's a, a patient class which otherwise suffers great because there is no good medication to, for, for cluster headaches. So we have this substance, which is classified as a drug, and people are not allowed to access it in a legal way. So yeah, that's super stupid. And we have to fight to make them accessible. And for that, we are needing open science because the big pharmaco companies are not raising their in and doing research and getting the FDA approvals to, to make them mainstream accessible for a wider audience. So I'm not saying that patients need to be guided, to be guided using these substances. They are, there's always a trade-off, so it's not only sun shining. So, but we are in the need to make them mainstream accessible so that people are able to access these substances in, in, yeah, in a guided way. That's a very interesting insight. I mean, going back on what you were saying about the, the ketamine and the, was it the SK ketamine or the S-ketamine? It's crazy that the, <laughs> the more expensive version is doing worse for the patient and the, the cheaper one, like you said, it's sense is doing, well, better anyway. Yeah, it's only about making money. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's the pharmaceutical industry and, you know, it's worth billions and billions of dollars. So I feel like there's a lot of things that we don't need and a lot of things we do need, but they won't 
get rid of it because like you say, the money that it makes. And it's a, it's a shame that, that money is the, the driver for these things. So uh, obviously elaborating on what you were just saying, how then going forward can NLP, natural language processing, help us with this, uh, this medical research? Because the reason is that NLP is a door opener for open science, because scientists can use open source technology to analyze for example, medical records and gain new insight without having a big budget. So it goes hand in hand. And open science needs open source. When I think about projects we have done where we analyze medical records on a level that was only possible with open source tools and the results were used to better understand diseases. Um, let's look into depression. As a disease and why we need open science and open source NLP, NLP to, to make the, the shift. Depression is an umbrella term. It's a bunch of conditions. It's not one disease. These are many diseases, so which we cluster under one terminology or one term. That's the reason why it's so difficult to treat. We have an inaccurate understanding about this disease, and that's the reason why we are not able to treat it for everyone in the same manner. So patient one actually has a complete different version of depression than patient two. So they need different medication, but we are using the same medication because we are only having one term for this disease and not going under the surface and analyzing the layers of, of this disease. And one of the reasons is that language in this case isn't specific enough. So we need a new error. That's also a field of NLP to, to make this accessible and also having and um, to analyzing patient notes in a better way. Also with yeah, the whole story of the patient and clustering the symptoms and also other parts of the disease and then getting a better anamnesis. Um, or when we are looking into tinnitus, we have one term for it, um, but it can be a high frequent sound or some kind of whistling or dual crackling. So these are different conditions, but we only have one name for it. And my hope is that NLP can be used to look at these multifactorial diseases in a more layered way so that we are able to yeah, to, to analyze it better, having a better anamnesis and understanding that it's a cluster of diseases and then being specific on the symptom level to treat it better. And this kind of stuff would be, in my opinion, groundbreaking. There's nothing better than a use of technology like NLP where it's, it's working on something that's hugely impactful and uh, you know game-changing for the, for the world, whether it's uh, for, for the ecosystem in terms of uh, being eco-friendly and, and health obviously being the biggest one my favorite saying is that without the foundation of health you have nothing um, health comes first before any form of success relationships and whatever matters to you in your life health is the foundation so if nlp can be a huge influence to that then i think there's just a win-win situation for everyone in the world yeah, for sure. And you, you always find out that, that health is the main topic when, when you're getting lost of it. So having a chronic disease and then fighting against this disease and then you're realizing, okay, that's one of the important topics in, in my life to, to be healthy or try to make the best out of also chronic diseases. And I, I love that. I think that's amazing. It's, it's, it should be everyone's foundation. Let's look at Elon Musk. He's, he's running forth to the Mars, but we, why not having some research in artificial kidneys So for, for kidney patients? So why they are not throwing all the money into research about health? <laughs> I'm questioning this because they have the race to the moon. They have the race to the Mars. 
and throwing in the millions and thousand and but yeah why not doing um, building artificial kidneys for for example so so many patients will will thank this yeah yeah i completely agree with that as well I've, you know what it is it's because it's not glamorizing you know what 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 sounds better a rocket or in our artificial kidney just for your for your health that's how people look at it it's just it's for sure yeah crazy world we live in but if only everybody felt more logically we'd hopefully be happier and healthier for for the long term um, with these groundbreaking ideas within the medical research but no elaborating on from that what do you think the future is for an lp then an ai in general how do you how think do you how far do you think we can go with it let's say over the next 10 20 years Whoa, 20 years. <laughs> it's, it's a long time period. Start with 10. Um, yeah, at the moment we are doing NLP on a level of exploiting statistical regularities. So generate logical correct text. And we are scaling the aspect that there is a relation in language. So words are in a sentence related to each other and also sentence in a document are related to each other. And we are scaling and building bigger models and uh, increasing the parameters and the data the model uh, trained on. But the machine doesn't really understand language or its grammar. It calculates the aspect of relations and then fakes language understanding. And there's still a lot to do before we can really say the computer or the machine understands language. And also before we are having some some kind of general intelligence uh, in, in a machine or in a machine which will act in some kind like, like a hum human or, yeah. So it's uh, at the moment we are only scaling these statistical aspects and the models are getting bigger and we're throwing in more resources but for general or understanding about language and also grammar yeah we need better algorithm and better models and not only scaling because you can use it for for generating text and having a chatbot which when we are chatting with a chatbot we are not able to see that it's a chatbot so we will see it in the next year so it will happen but that's not the machine really understand language. That's the machine faking to understand language because we are scaling these statistical relations. So I, my guess is then we're able to, to build biological chips. So having some kind of a real brain or some machine-related brain, then we're maybe having this momentum of there is a machine which is having some personality or own thinking about it. So... Do electronic, uh, do robots dream of electronic sheep? So if that's the Blade Runner reference. So yeah, my guess is that we are, will firstly see the machine acting or the machine acting more like other species or other forms of intelligence because intelligence, it's not only about humans. When you're looking at an octopus or a kraken, has, it's completely different. He has also nerve layers in his arms. So they are some kind of independent, so independent of their brain. So that's some kind of... And when you're looking into an octopus, they only live for four years, but they are able to remember people. They are able to understand processes with a lot of chains and also having a form of intelligence, but they are completely different than the human intelligence. So it's a complete different organism. And yeah, my guess is that we are see. A machine having some some kind of intelligence, but in a different kind, not in a version what a human thinks is intelligence. 
That's my guess. But I like the theory. <laughs> um, it does always intrigue me how far we can really go with it. One of the ones that I always do wonder comes to me sometimes. And I just think, I wonder if artificial intelligence and NLP will ever be able to understand sarcasm. I think that's a big that's, one. That's one of the topics at the moment. So having yeah, irony and sarcasm. <laughs> we can fake it. <laughs> <laughs> but it will not always work. Because, yeah... We don't have to underestimate humans are incredible and human intelligence is also incredible. It's it's crazy. And also a super fascinating research, uh, field of research. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've, we have made huge advancements within NLP, but, you know, in terms of comparing it to actual human intelligence, there is a long way to go. It's just, as I say, intriguing to see where we can get to. Of course, it will take many, many, many years to get to the level um, of the human intelligence. I am interested as well um, in what your uh, opinion is of, with regards to, I know we've already talked about, you know, what current world problems could we solve with NLP and AI with regards to medical research. But is there anything else out there that you think is big topic that could really, really be helped or assisted um, with the use of NLP? The use of NLP, yeah, it, as we talked about uh, the open science, aspects but it's also to get rid of some some mechanical turk work or or repetitive work in, in the work environment so hopefully we are able to automate a lot of the boring stuff around <laughs> <laughs> working yeah and then we're able making the the shift and hopefully the human as individuum is, is able to focus more maybe also in a in some kind of a greek way so it's a privilege that you're having time to contemplate about the real question about life it's not only about so because we are we are working every day eight hours and yeah it's a privilege to to be able to do research and that not everyone can do it because they have to to feed their family and they have to make their bread and butter work but there are so many questions also as society so we are needing some some kind of income or people need to be able to access um, also, the profits big companies like Amazon or Google are getting and they have to, yeah, we need a mechanism where these big players are looping back money into society and also, yeah, not only squeezing the, the last euro or the last dollar out of your workforce. Nope. Having a company is also, you're having some social responsibility and it's not about only making profits and then throwing a rocket to the Mars <laughs> you're having yeah it's about society and as society we have to ask us did we want that big companies are making profit after profit and not looping back the money so into society so that's really a question so and i don't i don't talk about communism um i, I talk about being responsible as as a leader of such a company so and yeah then doing doing good stuff with also with machine learning NLP in general and having impact having a social impact also with technology it's always possible yeah and I think that's the key word there impact as long as you're making an impact a positive impact of course then uh, it's a win-win for everyone I'm actually quite interested to to know a little bit about your your team um, as well and how you've got on let's say 
you know, during the pandemic, the wins, the losses, what you've learned from it, dealing with everything being remote now, has it helped you grow? Yeah, first we was we were celebrating. So we are full remote working and having all the freedom of doing going shopping in, in your in, in a short break or doing some sports and you're saving driving time every day. So let's let's say it's 40 minutes, 30 minutes. Anyway, you are saving this time and you can use it with, with other stuff. Then months are going and throwing and then you're realizing for me personal and also I for the members in my team because that was really a, a topic um i miss the people and human beings are social beings so you are needing some social interaction which cannot be only reduced to to your girlfriend or to your <laughs> husband you need some kind of a, a peer group where you're interacting so but in real life because it's it, it's doing something with your brain and then we are real, realizing okay we are we missed also the office and being there as group because um yeah it was always fun for us we are doing also the work but it was also about the fun and about the people and also hanging around and playing switch as a team that was really happening at kpmg there it was struggle also for for my team members because you had this this break even point you get sick of the pandemic and being isolated so and that makes a lot with people and you are also able to see it in in the rising numbers for for depression or anxiety diseases and and also the prescription about psychopharmacotherapies so the numbers are increasing because people are missing people and people also need people to interact and that's it's doing something with people so and that's really important factor so i'm hoping that we are now running out of the pandemic and hopefully we want to save the flexibility for, for some days of the week, but also having a fixed day in the week or two to meet each other because it's also easier to, to have communication also about, not only about work, also about you and your team and the private stuff. It's really important. We try to substitute it with, we have a fixed day in a week where we play for for one hour games social games but it's only a substitute it's not real hanging around you're doing it remote and playing with each other it's good it's and also important for the team but yeah it's only a substitute yeah i mean i agree with everything you just said there i think that what we have learned is that the hybrid model is definitely the best way forward because if you want to work remotely the isolated part is really good for you know knuckling down and focusing on a specific task i think it's very obvious like you said we're social creatures we're social social animals and we need that human interaction i think it makes us happier as people so that balance of being able to do a few days from home and then a few days in the office is perfect and it's a good work-life balance for everyone and i feel like if companies out there are not not adopting this model they will fall behind uh, against the competition you know for example companies that are saying no once it's back to normal you have to be in the office for five days a week quite frankly you will um lose out to the guys that are offering that that work work-life balance that hybrid model yeah a apple tries this and <laughs> when you're following social media they have a problem <laughs> regarding this <laughs> yeah they're losing their high potential workforce because they can choose they are able to choose i'm working for apple or i'm working for google i'm working for microsoft or for any other company so they're able to make the switch 
And yeah, people, it, it's also, yeah, the hybrid model is the answer. So people are able to have some fixed work days at the office and have interactions also as team, but not forcing us as company. Um, so this will have a drawback. So, and my guess is that Apple will change its pressure on that topic and yeah, allow people to, to self-coordinate this. Absolutely. They'll have to. Okay, so to, to finish off for the listeners, what one bit of good content out there, you know, someone wants to be improving their, their skills, would you recommend they get stuck into? Is there anything out there that you think would be really useful? I post about, a, um, it's a basic related course, but it's incredible. There is a person who has, it's freely accessible and it's incredible work. I will send you the link so that you can link it in, in, in the description. And there's also a good research. Raza is doing an amazing job there because they have the Raza Academy and it's also freely available. I will also send you the link. There, there are a lot of good free accessible resources out there to learn NLP and drive or having your intro into these topics. Excellent. If you're listening, make sure you check those out. <laughs> Thanks, Philip. Look, I, I want to thank you for your time today and I've thoroughly enjoyed learning about you and your background and uh, your incredible following on LinkedIn. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Well, for those and everyone listening, this was the NLP Zone podcast episode four. I'm your host, Jordan Luxford. And today's guest was Philip Bollett.